Hey there, gang, Angus here. Before we get into the show, let me ask you a quick question. Would you like to learn how to get your first patient-attracting Facebook and Instagram ad up and running in the next 60 minutes? Now, there's never been a better and easier time for you to be using social media to reach out to your community and invite them into your practice. Now, in this free 60-minute on-demand training, you'll be able to look over my shoulder as I walk you through step-by-step how to set up your first patient-attracting Facebook and Instagram ad. You'll see just how simple it is when you know how. I'm even going to give you access to my best performing ad with the images and the exact text that I use. Now, this ad currently brings in $7.70 worth of business for every $1 that I spend. You'll learn the right way to assess the success of your ad. Now, almost all practitioners get this wrong and it's costing them thousands. You'll discover the number one commodity that your practice must be building in 2020 if you're wanting to build a profitable, predictable, impactful, and enjoyable practice. You'll find out why relying on organic reach on social media alone is a recipe for failure. And I'll reveal the dirty little secret that most social media and ad agencies don't want you to know and heaps, heaps more. Now to register for this free on-demand training, all you need to do is head on over to adiomedia.com forward slash simple. Yep, it's really simple when you know how. That's adiomedia.com forward slash simple. And in 60 minutes, I'll show you exactly how to get your first patient-attracting Facebook and Instagram ad up and running. Head on over to adiomedia.com forward slash simple. Enjoy the show. As I said before, like none of this shit is hard. Like you got to be willing to like, you know, a little bit of risk. There's, look, there's strict laws and strict guidelines we need to follow. There are a lot of accounts out there that are doing good things. You just need to look at what, what people are doing. You know, people that you want to be like, people that you want to aspire like, businesses that you want to aspire to. You need to look at what they're doing and you just need to replicate what they're doing because at the end of the day, it's... It's copying to a degree, but you're going to put your own spin on it and it'll become your own thing. And at the end of the day, if you're a physiotherapist or a chiropractor, we all do the same shit. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast, where we guide natural health and wellness experts through the pitfalls of marketing. Each episode, you'll learn simple, effective, easily actionable, and heart-centered marketing strategies. And here's your host, Angus Pike. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, friends. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast. Today's guest has been able to attract in excess of a thousand patients from social media, Instagram in particular, over the last two years. Now, I've been running this podcast for that period, and these are results that very few people have been able to achieve. So if you wanted to work out how you can use this social media, Instagram, Facebook thing and make it so it actually brings patients into your practice, then you've got to listen to this episode. So Ben, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? Mate, thanks for having me on. I'm um, going good. Had a, a busy morning so far, but yeah, I'm going good. So, and I appreciate you uh, taking out your time to have me on. Oh, buddy, it's, it's my pleasure. You and I started having this conversation before Christmas. Well, I guess. Our listeners will soon see. Sorry. You're one of the busiest dudes going around. We've got a, a mutual friend in Matt Caratelli there um, yeah. as well. Who was Matt was the first one who actually mentioned to me, you should have been um, on, on the podcast. Let's, before we dive into some of the, the strategies and tactics that you've uh, been able to, you know, so successfully implement, 
bit of a background story there too. What got you into physiotherapy? How long you've been practicing for? And perhaps a little bit of an overview for our listeners because the kind of practice that you have is unique also. Can you catch us all up to speed? Yeah, so I'll try cut out all the boring bits, but it's, it's nothing special. Like I've, I've had a couple of podcasts before and even running my own, like just doing the basic introductory of myself is very boring. Like I played a lot of sport growing up, um, played pretty high level soccer and then I'd, I'd seen a lot of physios growing up and I'm from a country in New South Wales. So near Orange and Bathurst, a small town there called Blaney. So basically they're running physiotherapy at Orange, Charles Sturt Uni and I was umming and about coaching, PE teaching, physiotherapy. My mate was doing physio. He said it was good. They just started the course there. I said, all right, well, I'll apply for it and see if I get in. So that's basically how I got into physiotherapy. I, I stumbled into it mm. um, as I knew I wanted to do something to do with sport. And I knew that, you know, physiotherapists, what I knew of physiotherapists back then, I thought that's all they did was just working with sporting teams and, and injuries and that sort of thing. Mm. But I soon realized when I had my first placement in a hospital that physios also worked in hospitals. Yes. So that was a bit of a shock. <laughs> that was a rude awakening for you. Yeah. But quickly worked out that's not what I want to do. <laughs> so when um, when did you graduate, Ben? When did you finish at, uh, at university? End of 2015. Right. And then from there, did you go straight into private practice? What did you do? And when, when did you open your own uh, Humphreys Health? So... I so soon as I finished uni in uh, New South Wales and moved straight down to Melbourne and I scored a job with a company and I was actually a locum physio for the first six months uh-huh. so I was out in the Gippsland area for weeks at a time but I'd only be doing you know, I did maybe 30% private practice 60% aged care and then a, a, you know, what's that left 10% like private hospital sort of thing so I wasn't very happy doing that especially as a new graduate because i was on my own most of the time i was isolated i was working geriatrics and aged care you know which is nothing against it but it just wasn't what i wanted to do at the time Mm. and so i did that for six months i got um i got over that and then i decided to apply for another job for the sports medicine clinic um and i worked there for 18 months after that and then I got under some really, really good mentors who shaped me, I guess, to be a good, good at diagnostics and good at assessment and good at, you know, decent at designing rehab programs. But um, what I didn't learn was any of the manual therapy side of things. So as you know, traditionally physiotherapists are quite, because we, we're quite poor at manual therapy as we, we aren't taught it. I had a two hour half ass lesson at uni on how to massage people and the teacher running it didn't really care much about it as well. So like there wasn't really any sort of emphasis on manual therapy. And that's what I thought was missing in my um, skill set. I was like, I can now handle you know, some sort of complex injury, musculoskeletal injury. I can diagnose decently. I can set up a rehab, a pretty basic rehab plan. But I was like, I don't know how to treat. I don't know how to do the middle part. And that's where um, the business came about so we um you're right yeah they about to ask a question yeah no because <laughs> it, it, it tends to be you know certainly here in australia and we've got listeners kind of from around the world 
you know, many of the physiotherapists here are in a brilliant skill set in terms of diagnosis. And then their action plan tends to be kind of rehab based, head down to the gym, do this, do that. But there's not here in Australia anyway, there's a lot of physiotherapists that are not actually laying their hands on the actual patients them, themselves. What was it that, because there's, there's a couple of things I really want our audience to kind of get this because by the end of this episode, you'll see that Ben is a brilliant marketer. His results have, have shown it too. But there can be this tendency, and I was one that thought this in the early days, is that brilliant marketers were just making up for practitioners who are lousy with their skill set. And there's two things that you're really hounding on on your social media is important of being just freaking awesome with your skill set and really clear with your diagnosis, your management, you know, the manual yeah. care. And then you also have this incredible kind of charismatic sort of way of going about it there too. Where did you go to learn the manual skills? How did you, you sort out people to teach you those skills? Mate, thank you. That's some kind words just then. <laughs> I, I, I love I other love fellow it. physios. Yes. They, don't, they don't say the same things. <laughs> no, well, well, as we'll talk about in a moment, yeah. I bet you've got some haters, buddy. I bet there are some people yeah. out there that really find what you're saying very confronting. And Absolutely. You know, you know, my notes down here, there's so many things that, you know, because I've been wanting to have this conversation for it because you tick so many of the boxes. You know what? Let's just jump into it. One of the things that you are <laughs> is polarizing. And there's a, there's a branding law that kind of, you know, when we talk about the law of difference, and it says this, yeah. you're better to be different than you are better to be better, which means, you know, just, just do something different from the guy next door, stand out and differentiate. And it's certainly what you're doing with regards to that. Um, and you call a lot of practitioners on their bullshit, basically. Yeah. You know, if they're not doing the whole kind of thing there. How do you cope with the, because there are some haters that I'm sure, how do you cope with that? Um. Look, there's been some along the way, but a lot of it's just Instagram trolls who, you know, their, their biggest attack at me is like a, a comment or a message. You know, it's, as you know, like it's, it's over a screen and um, I don't really get affected a whole lot by it because I stand by the fact that what I do, I believe is the right thing to do. And I believe that the industry as a whole may not be you know, performing at their best or doing their best for their clients. And, that's certainly how I got taught. You know, it wasn't, a, I didn't get taught an unethical way of doing business. I just got shown tradition and, and conditioning that everyone else did as a physio. So that's how I got taught. So um, the way I handle people coming at me and, and commenting some sort of bullshit on, <laughs> on one of my posts or they send me a dm which a lot of them don't do not, not many people like to confront you directly so they're, they're more than happy to to mm. comment and to to talk behind your back and to share things and yeah. you, know, you might hear something in the treatment room of oh someone said this about you and anyway i i don't i don't pay much attention i use i use the the public comments as a platform to actually yes. to justify what I do and why I do it. So that way um, everyone can see that I've publicly defended myself, but also justified my actions and my behaviors. And at the end of the day, because what I do is all in the best interests of the client, it actually makes them look like a dickhead because there are other health practitioners having to go at me for doing my best for the client. So I, I handle that as a way, I use that as a way to platform to again, leverage myself even further especially mm. off um there's one 
uh, they call it physio tutors. They're like very, they're internationally known as physiotherapists. And basically they, they trolled my TikTok account, but okay. the video ended up getting like 80,000 views on Instagram on the IGTV. So I used every negative comment, replied to every single one of them uh, and justified or had a little bit of a bite back on some of them. And yes. I used it as like, well, they've just, they've launched me another ex, extra 80,000 views. So, so bring them on, keep them coming my way. <laughs> it, uh, you, you know, there's a, a marketing thing that any attention is good attention to. But I think, right. you know, when, when I'm chatting with practitioners, Ben, one of the hurdles that so many of them, or one of the excuses that they use from kind of sharing more on social media platforms is what about the haters, the trolls, all this kind of stuff. That, my experience is this, is that, yes, there will be some, but they'll be mm. way less than what you expect. It's a very small portion. There's not many. Yeah. And some of those, yeah. Yes. And some of those people, to be honest, um, are unhealthy individuals. They're, they're not people whose opinions that I would respect in normal life anyway. And you can yep. tell that by the way they interact with you. You know, if you happen to say something on your social media that I had a real issue with as a fellow practitioner, as a healthy human being, I would probably just ask you a respectful question. Ah, oh, tell me more about that, Ben. Why do you say this? As opposed to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the way that I remind people, that's the way that healthy individuals interact with people. And that's if right. a person... Yeah, if they're not interacting in that kind of manner, then, you know, that's probably not a healthy individual. The other thing I think, Absolutely. That, you know, you made not, is you're not being polarizing just for the sake of being polarizing, is that you're taking mm. a stand for what you think good patient care is and sharing yes. that out with your community and differentiating what's going to happen at Humphreys Health too. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So when you, Humphreys Health is two years old? Yeah, like... It's like, I'm sorry to correct you. Like, um, it's pretty commonly mis mis um, said. So hum Humphreys Health, but it always gets called Humphreys Health. Don't stress. Like, it's very our name is spelt like wrong all the time, and, and people say, say Humphreys Health all the time. So I just roll with it. Thank you, dude. <laughs> but um, I, I, yes, apologies. No, no, don't stress. So it is two years old, and I, the other branch of the business is um, personal training. So we we run the there's three brothers. So my older brother and younger brother and I, we all run the business together. They handle the personal training side of the business and I handle the physiotherapy side of the business. Yeah, terrific. And so when you set the business up two years ago, did you have a strategy of, right, this is how I'm going to use social media? Or, you know, what was your background and, and why do you think you've been so successful? Um, basically, we... I didn't foresee what it is now, like two years ago. I didn't, I had the vision of where we wanted to go. My brother and I were pretty visionary kinds of people. Um, but I didn't foresee it, it growing at the rate it did. It's sort of, um, that's happened on its own. It's sort of, I, I, I describe it as like, it's like a snowball, you know, once the snowball starts generating a little bit, a little bit of momentum, it just gets bigger and faster and stronger and you know, potentially more damaging, but more effective. So, um, what our biggest strategy that we use for social media because uh, we had to work out all right we don't have any money like we we're both in debt when we went into the business yes. like i've got contracts that i can't solicit any clients that i've once treated in melbourne i've only been in melbourne for two years so i don't exactly have a whole lot of um a big community to fall back on uh, the footy club i played at was out in noble park so it was like half an hour away so i'm like i'm not really going to poach any clients from there so yep. i'm like how am I going to get clients with no money um, and no real 
community, I guess. So I had to, we just had to then go to social media because we're like, what do we have at the moment? We've got time. So we've got time. We're going to create content. Um, what are we going to do? We're going to, we're going to look at who's doing a good job and then just replicate that because that's, that's an easy way. That's what I, a lot of advice I give to people go look at who's doing well and what they're doing and the exact strategies they're doing and just copy that because it's already a proven process. So why not just replicate what they're doing? And, and so who were you modeling at that stage? Can you remember was it as a, physios health practitioners who did you use as uh, as a guide uh, there was no it wasn't one in particular like I, I modeled off like influencer type of people so whether they're an influence in the health and fitness industry whether they like there's not as you know there's not many big health practitioner accounts out there so especially two years ago there wasn't really a whole lot for me to, i don't think to model off and again, authenticity of the account also rings very true. So you got to be careful who you model off and make sure that the authenticity of the account is real. Um, because then that obviously means that the strategy they're using is actually legitimate yes. versus illegitimate. But um, what the main strategy we used was what we call influencer marketing. So what we did, we, we I generated enough content to make it look like my account was a physiotherapy account with, um, rehab on there me talking some shit about something on there me treating people on there and then i'm like well my brother and i had this idea so I go, well we just need to be seen by the right people but we need to go to the gatekeepers so who are the gatekeepers we need to go to some influential people who are locally based in melbourne and we need to we need to pitch to as many as we can and see if we can get them on for some sort of sponsorship so we took on a, about, I don't know, eight sponsored athletes in the first year who have who are big like amateur or pro bodybuilders or big personal trainers in Melbourne or some sort of influence in the health and fitness industry who were local. And then we said, hey, we're going to offer you 100% sponsorship of a 90-minute consultation per week. And you'll have that each week in exchange for X amount of social media. And... Yeah, they were more than happy to do it. Some some knocked us back and some didn't reply and some seen our messages, saw our messages and I've got messages like, you know, in the last couple of months from those same people who are saying, hey, is this, this still up for grabs? And like, nah, <laughs> I needed you 18 months ago, but not anymore. So how many of those invitations did you put out there? Oh, we're, even, we're hitting Instagram we were hitting everyone's DMs with, with video messages, not only just the, the influencers, but we're just trying to get client acquisition from Instagram. So we, let's say I pitched, we pitched to maybe 30 or 40 influencer type people. Yep. But we pitched to over hundreds of actual, like, you know, people just like our sell, uh, actual just people's accounts. Yes. With that video message offering, offering them some sort of physiotherapy service, not a, not a sponsorship unless they had some sort of marketing power behind them. Yes. And did you have, when you were looking for these influencers, did you kind of have a minimum look and need them to have at least 10,000 followers, 5,000, 15, what was your kind of barriers to somebody come underneath that kind of influencer umbrella? Uh, initially I think we we're looking for more than 10,000. Yep. But, um, as, as we learnt more and more about Instagram and more and more about the algorithms and the reach and, and how to verify accounts and make sure they're authentic accounts. It, it changed from 
the, I guess, macro influencer was greater than 10,000 or what would you call them? Not micro. I think micro, they, they classify as sub five or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, roughly over 10,000 we're looking for and we're definitely looking for a local following because we offer a local service. So it doesn't matter if you've got 200,000 followers. If 60% of their followers are in America, it's, it's no use for us. And then, so if we go back, how did you find these people? Was there a way that you kind of searched through Instagram? What was your technique for those that were kind of online that, that helped you identify these people in the first place? Yeah, we just searched. So we searched online. We often influencers follow influencers. So we often, we found a couple and then uh, we basically found their accounts through other influencer accounts or by the time we got the people in the doors, I then asked, I said, Hey, do you know anyone like yourself? Who would you consider an influencer who would be a good ambassador for the business, but also, you know, good marketing power because we, we need more people like yourself. Yeah. So that people offered their, cause a lot of influence, I guess they know each other and they have friends in the industry who might be doing as well as them. So it basically, the reputation grew from there. And so your offer was a, um, a 90 minute session per week. And then what were your expectations from them? What were their requirements and how do you, how were you able to police it? That were keeping their end up. So we had a, an agreement. So we, we, we built just like a, an agreement, a sponsored athletic agreement, an ambassador agreement slash um, verification like agreement. So basically what we did, we penciled it all up on a bit of um, the typed it all up PDF agreement that said, now this is what you're getting with your spot with your sponsorship or ambassadorship. Um, so we, we asked for, cause at the time I think posts were doing, I don't think stories were even a thing. 18 months ago so at the time i think it was all all and igtv wasn't a thing either so yes. it was all um it was all post picture or, or a video basically yep so and back then they also had um the views per video and you could see all the likes and that sort of thing so since then algorithm the algorithms have changed a fair bit on instagram but um yeah we'd ask for a post per treatment or per two treatments that you come in yes um and then we have now, it's a bit different now. So for now, for example, it's two stories, um, tag us in your posts that are relevant to physiotherapy or personal training, uh, an actual post every four sessions and then something else. That's about it. But Got yeah, it. it was an exchange for where the, where the attention is and that's where we, we steer the, 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 um, the agreement to highlight those areas. Did you ever have any difficulties, Ben, in the early days with people not kind of keeping their end of the deal up? And how did you deal with that if that was the case? Yeah, there was a few. Like, as as we all know, some people are quite unreliable and untrustworthy and yeah. they uh, are somewhat entitled, which which I did find a lot with some of those influences early on. But beggars can't be choosers right at the start. So we had to roll with it. And we only ever found out once we started working with these people. Um, so what we did to police it, we had the agreement first, the signed agreement, which is a written agreement. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't never, um, you know, I guess some form of a contract, but it's not an actual, yeah. like, as if we're ever going to 
pursue that legally if they didn't put up a bloody Instagram post for us. <laughs> yes. So what we did, we made sure it was very clear that they signed on the agreement and that um, we basically gave them a couple of warnings if if they weren't upholding their end of the bargain. First of all, we, we made it clear, said, hey, you signed an agreement. Um, you know, I'm, I'm upholding my end of the bargain and said, now I need you to do yours. Because at the end of the day, as long as they were happy to post it on their page, like it's not a big, big effort. Yes. Like I, I created the content for them. I recorded it to them. I airdropped it to them all. I said, I just need this on your account. Like it's all well and good for me to put it on my account, but really I need, I need other eyes on, on the, um, on the content, which was going to generate the leads. So basically a couple of warnings. And if they didn't um, comply, we just had to have the conversation with them and said, Hey, uh, this is not working um, for X, Y, and Z. So therefore we're going to have to terminate this agreement. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned there that you were creating the content. Can you tell me a little bit about what, cause that was going to be my question. Like what content were you wanting them to post, but you were actually creating it for them. Tell us about what that content was, what it looked like. Yeah. Nothing special. Literally just had a tripod. Um, and I think at the time we recorded things in, in landscape because that's what worked really well on Instagram. Mm. So I literally had a tripod, turned it to time-lapse. So time-lapse really speeds everything up. So you yes. can get a whole hour or 90 minutes of actual work into like a 45 second video or, or a 60 second video or a 30 second video. So basically we created, we, we filmed everything. So there wasn't a whole lot of creation involved. And then we just airdropped it to the, to the person so that they could um, then do it. Then I guess um, post it. So a lot of them, because they're influencer type people, they're, they're usually quite good marketers anyway. So they, if they want, the content to look good on their page they'll basically they'll basically they'll edit it the way they want it they'll put some music over it whatever it is to make it more engaging yes um, they would then do got it so after each of the kind of sessions that they had with you there was generally video footage of it did you take some photos as well or the video footage was in that time lapse that was pretty much what you were sharing yeah both pictures and, and videos like like as you know like there's um there's certain conditions that, that roll through the door with people that, that you know you can have a, a really immediate effect and change on right away, which looks quite quite cool, you know, before and afterwards. So if there was, a, for example, um, like a fascinogenic rye neck, for example, yes. that was just mainly, um, mainly restricted due to pain and a bit of stiffness if if i knew that all right well i know this treatment is going to really relieve a lot of symptoms increase their range of motion and the quality of movement and i'm going to get a little bit of that wow factor i'd be yeah. like uh, let's do a before let's do an afterwards um and i'll catch them you know before they start moving when they get off the table i'll make sure we get everything set up again so that that way we, we get the the emotion the expression as well so that way you, you get a a good result before and afterwards it not only looked good but then the person gets up and they they feel a lot different. So that was, that was also part of the tactics as well was to actually capture the improvement. Mm. One of the things I find engaging on, particularly with your Insta, which is well, I, I consume a lot of your content, is you do do lots of before and afters. There was one just recently I was looking at, which was just a patella tracking. Um, you know, somebody doing a single leg type sort of squat. They might have even just been doing a lunge. I forget what it was. And then it was kind of post some scraping and some of the work that you did and then them doing it again. 
Um, when you're doing that kind of work, one of the questions I get lots from the audience is, if that's not an influencer that you have an agreement with, but it's an everyday patient, and you think this is going to have a good before and after that might be great on my socials, how do you go about pitching the idea of videoing that and then posting that afterwards? Um, just got to ask the question. <laughs> I yeah. usually make sure I don't, I don't get their face or any, anything like that mm. involved, but I'll, I'll take photos and videos for baseline measures anyway. So if they've yes. got uh, muscle mass asymmetries, if they've got uh, functional asymmetries, if they've got, you know, postural asymmetries, whatever it may be, I say, hey, can I grab a photo here? For one, to have a baseline to show you what it looks like, because a lot of people obviously don't know what they look like from the back, right? So you take a photo of their back, and you go here. You show it on their phone. So here's all the asymmetries. Here's what's what's going on. Here's how we're going to fix it. And I go, hey, would you mind if I post this on my social media? I'll block out your face. I'll um, and that's all I ask. Yes. And they just say, yeah, that's fine. That's that's as easy as that. The verbal consent, and then I document that as well. Yeah. Do you do you have or have you had anybody say no? Yeah, there's a couple of people who said no, but it's not the people you'd think would say no. The people who say no are the ones who are well, the athletes who might be in good, might not be in like competition sort of prep, so they might be like in their off season carrying a bit more weight than usual, and um, they're not happy to post those sort of images of themselves if they think they're looking a bit of out of shape. So that's more, I guess a personal thing that they have, whether it's some sort of insecurity that they might have. Um, but yeah, I find that not a lot of people do object anymore. And because they, a lot of people come in through Instagram and they see everything. So I think it's yeah. almost like pre-framed that, you know, there might potentially be some content filmed today and I've got a tripod set up in my room. I've got, you know, sometimes I've got two tripods in here and I'm filming on their phone and my phone, but I'm making sure I, have their consent first before doing it. And I get that a lot, actually. People ask, like, and it's different, I guess, when you run your own show. Like, it's like, I don't have to ask the boss if I can film. So yes. I can film as long as I have the, the, the client's consent. Got it. And so what I'm hearing is that you're filming a lot anyway, clinically, because it's helpful for you to assess a before and after. And if the results are great enough that you think this is going to be a, you know, postable, that's when you'll just kind of ask, hey, listen, this will be a great little social media post. Are you okay with me posting this? That's pretty much yeah. the process, yeah? It's as easy as that. You just got to ask. Have enough yeah. balls to just ask and be confident enough you know, to not look like you're being apprehensive or, or weird about because people start to ask questions when you sort of start fumbling around your words and like, oh, well, you know, he says he wants to put this on social media, but really what's he doing with it if he's not confident asking, if he's stumbling with his words and that sort of thing. So I think that's in general, you know, people's perception of, I guess, someone who is not confident in what they're saying, but like you just got to, you just got to ask yeah. And if, and what's the worst that can happen? They say no. Yeah. You say cool. Well, I've got this anyway for for reference. You know, in six weeks, six weeks time when you've done the program for six weeks and you've done X amount of sessions, just so we can look back on it. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, here in Australia, uh, as you would know, we're not allowed to gather testimonials per se. But when I first started in practice, we absolutely could get testimonials. And I had up the front of my practice, in the end, I had three big, massive folders full of 
I would have three or 400 testimonials and uh, it was the thing that my patients would love to read and they were excited to be a part of it. So when the time yes. would come that I would, you know, they would tell me about the great results. I go, Ben, that's awesome. Can you write that down for me? And would be, a, uh, you know, would it be okay for us to share that? And they were like, hell yeah. It was just kind of part of what they, they were, they were waiting for the opportunity, almost kind of begging. And I, I, I can see the same thing, you know, that, that people would expect inside of your practice if it's kind of what's known there's cameras there and as you mentioned before if it's just done in a cool and helpful way as opposed to an uncertain sleazy type sort of way then i could understand that most people are going to be pretty up for um for that that's yeah. and so uh, along that line in a normal day's practice when you've got a full book how many of those might are you still doing these each and every day how often are you kind of curating this kind of content it's definitely not as frequent as what it was uh, just, uh, just because of the position we're in, but our new physio we got on board loves recording content and, and building his personal brand. So I'm more than happy for him to share things like that. Um, and it's an interesting point you tapped on before about the, um, the testimonies and that sort of thing. So I have been in trouble before from uh, APRO about sharing testimonies. So yes, um, I, I learned that, Oh, not the hard way. Like, um, it was a warning, which was fine, mm -hmm. but, um, it definitely, you know, made me think twice about posting things and my, my content on testimonies definitely slowed down after that because that's, I guess where I was doing more of the haters was, was the, yeah. the people following me who were like throwing me under the bus. So, and I, I was, I didn't know who it was like, it's all anonymous. So yes. I was like, I said, which one of you bastards is, is reporting me because like, and I reckon it was potentially some of my old work colleagues that follow me. So I just end up going through and blocking a heap of people. I'm just like, I can't trust you. I can't trust you. I can't trust you. I know you're a little bit salty, so I'm going to block you. Yeah. Um, but back to what you were saying, the frequency I would, in a normal day, I might record. Like, I'll, like it's all relevant, right, to the person who walks through the door. So I might, I might take photos of someone's posture or whatever it may be maybe twice a day and then the same people might be videoed but depending on if i get a, a sponsored athlete or an ambassador through the door like that's a given when they mm. come through so so i might see i don't know less than 10 sponsored athletes in their ambassador sessions per week but every time they come in we'll always be recording something so let's just say i get my phone out a couple of times a day to record yeah. things how do you balance, if you're a kind of new practice starting off, so I mean, there's 10 90-minute sessions a week that you're kind of giving away for free. What's your balance with regards to, you know, enough so that we're getting some momentum into the practice, yet not too much that I'm spending my whole time doing free care? What would your recommendations be for that? Um, yeah, you're right. You definitely got to have a balance. So initially I had, had time. So I was like, I'm going to spend this time marketing anyway, so I may as well be sharpening my skills and getting better, mastering my craft and getting a bit of social media exposure at the same time. But as we've gotten busier and busier, like the actually the opportunity for these athletes to book in has actually gotten less and less. So um, basically, so I bet you mentioned before yeah, yeah. Uh, that some of the athletes that you originally kind of reached out to, many of them are coming back to you now. 
yeah, yeah. if it were the right person, are you still taking on sponsorships now? If somebody came through, you went, man, this is my target market. I love dealing with this person. She's got a huge following. It's here, Melbourne based. Um, are you still open to that kind of stuff or is that closed at the moment? I don't know. We're definitely still open because you don't fix something that isn't broken. So the, it, yeah. it generated a lot of clients already for us. And a lot of our clients are still coming through Instagram. Like our, the average age of our client might be 28 years old, 99.9% hit the gym. Um, so very lucky because we do like a very gym athletic based population. Um, but we do still offer sponsorships. So we have you know, got rid of some sponsorships in the past and we've introduced new sponsorships. So basically our sponsorships or and our ambassador offerings are basically geared around what kind of industry, what kind of, um, I guess, community do we want to like infiltrate next? Yeah. So we initially went for a lot of like, um, like amateur and pro bodybuilders, fitness models, bikini models, all that sort of thing to really hit the uh, bodybuilding world because we understood that and we understand that a lot of team sports already have designated health practitioners at their fingertips if they're an elite professional sport like AFL or, or soccer or rugby, whatever it may be. So we then, like, for example, our, our latest, maybe three that we've bought on, one was a ex world champ boxer. One is potentially one of the strongest dudes in um, in Australia. He's a young fella, and another one is a probably, probably the most well known PT slash coach in Melbourne. So, like, we're starting to differentiate who we're sponsoring depending on what sort of industry do we want to go into next. And those were ones that been that you guys actually sought out and you're still trying to find these areas or are these that are coming into you now? Uh, a mixture of both. So yeah. some of our best athletes have been, have come like they've asked me, which has been fantastic for an appointment um, or a sponsorship. And the ones who have asked for an appointment, I'm like, well, you know, I found out that they had a big following and they were very engaging. They're doing very well. So I'm like, well, this person's already seeing me for physio. They've already bought into the business. So it's an even better reason to then get them on as a sponsored athlete as well, because they tick all the boxes, which is good. And, uh, half of them, I guess we would approach as well, but as I guess we're getting more and more well known, there's a lot more coming in the door than us having to ask, which is nice. Yeah, stunning. And in that original agreement that you write down, and uh, dude, I can't, it's so clever to have this, all relationships break down because there's lack of clarity in, in expectations. And for you to have yeah. the foresight to say, look, let's just write it down, even if it's on a piece of tissue paper, you know, yeah. here's what I'll do, here's what, and most of the mistakes that I've made in my life is where I just haven't had clarity. And you're right, it's not going to hold down in a court of law, but when it's written down, at least the rules are kind of there. The authority. Yeah, I love it, buddy. That's right. How long do you, do you get into that relationship for? Is it 12 weeks, 12 months, endless? What, what's what's your yeah. agreement length? Uh, we don't have a, a length at the moment. So it's there's, just, there's some clauses in there or terms and conditions that just say both parties have the right to terminate this contract at any time. So, yeah. and that's often if, if we feel our um the exchanges out as in we're giving them more than what they're giving back or they've they've dropped off on the i guess on posting things or they've dropped off 
on treatments and they're not like we've dropped out of communication basically. Then we, we had the honest conversation with them, touch base, see how they're going, make sure everything's fine and, and that they're happy with, with the deal still. If not, we're open to negotiation. But at the end of the day, we don't have any set time frame. It's just mm. if it's working for us, if it's working for you, we'll continue. If it's not working for you, it's not working for us, then we will cease. And that's okay. fine. Like it's at the end of the day, it's, it's physiotherapy treatment. Like it's not like, fuck, we're doing like big deals or anything like that. It's like, yeah. it just means you're not going to get a massage. Like it's not too bad. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I love it. And so I kind of mentioned at the beginning in the introduction when I mispronounced your name, I feel like such a dick with that. <laughs> Don't stress. It happens um, like way more commonly than you think. Yeah, because I, I, I noticed the spelling because it clearly doesn't have an E on the end there. So um, again, <laughs> that this has been kind of responsible for about a thousand new patients over the last couple of years. Are those numbers pretty right, yeah? Yeah, they're 100% right. Like between our PT and, and physiotherapy base, and that's basically been built by just my older brother and I. Yes. Um, as I said, we have 1,200 people in the database and like we track where people come from. So yeah. a good 80% plus, 85, probably 90% has definitely been through social media. Yes. Then tell me, in, in this next phase that there's now some stability in, in the practice there too, what are your challenges and goals for this next two years of practice growth? Um, well, location. We need, well, at the moment, we're just leasing outside of like our mate's couple gyms and we're running um, the PT. So we've got three PTs and then two physios. So we're starting to you know, grow the team, which is fantastic, but we need to move into our own space soon enough so we've been excuse me we've been planning um basically a, a center slash gym that we want to open up in the next probably six or 12 months depending on how much capital we have mm-hmm. and if all things are all you know ticked by the the accountant and all the permits and all that sort of shit so um if things keep growing the way they do and we keep expanding the team we we the way we are that means we'll be we'll outgrow the places we're in and we just need a bigger space. So the plan is to then, as I said, to upgrade the space. The plan for me is to get another two to three physios under working on our team in the next 12 months. Yes. And also, um, oh, we want to grow the PT side of the business a bit bigger. And then we want to head down the route of education and courses. So I believe what I'm teaching is not only beneficial to physiotherapists and, and osteos and, and chiros because it's a lot on the manual therapy side, not so much chiropractors because Maddie, for example, who's a fantastic chiro, just does a lot of the, the adjustment. And then like those skills for me are pretty hard to learn. So I would much rather refer off to someone who's an expert in that field. Mm. But in regards to the scraping, which is the instrument-assisted soft tissue massage, the cupping, the functional cupping, the dry needling, all that can be taught and there's a big gap in the physiotherapy industry of, you know, being okay at the diagnostics, being good at the rehab, being shit at the manual therapy. So I can teach physios um, how to do manual therapy and I can teach my therapist and remedial massage therapists how to diagnose and how to set up a rehab program. And I can teach personal trainers how to screen and how to set up good strength and conditioning rehab programs. So there's a lot of, um, scope for running courses and that sort of thing so that's 
where I want to head. And then I've got ideas on some e-commerce things as well that, that we're pretty keen on. But there's right. lots to do. There's not enough time and I need some more resources. <laughs> Buddy, I, um, I'm excited to watch this next um, couple of years. And so much of what you've said to me helps even more with what I've been seeing online with what you're doing. Um, there's a couple of things I want to say this, first of all. I just want to acknowledge you for your innovation and hard work. There are so many people, uh, practitioners across, you name it, from chiros to physios to osteos to myos, that kind of stuff, that are really struggling in practice. And here you've shown what can be done in two years. And when you then share what your vision is, uh, I, I've got a level of enthusiasm and excitement here <laughs> as, as well. So I, I want to acknowledge you. you for that and all your hard work there. And then secondly too, buddy, thank you for being so incredibly transparent today in sharing what's worked for you um, as well. There, you know, for those of you that are listening, you know, Ben has outlined a roadmap for you that he's implemented, none of it all that difficult. As you know, the, no. the question that many people have is, oh, how do I let my patients film me? Like you said, well, you just ask them. Yes, Most you just say ask yes. them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, what a concept, hey? So, yeah. um, buddy, if our audience wants to find you online, watching at what you're doing, reach out to you in any way whatsoever. If you're Melbourne-based and you're looking for somebody stunning to do some body work uh, with you, I send patients and have to Ben Kirby who works with me, send patients there. We feel so very happy in, in, in doing that also. So share us, where, where will people find you? Um, I would say thank you for one, for, for referring, because there's a few clients that you sent to me who've, excuse me, who've gotten re- really good results, which I'm really happy about. And I've yes. flicked off a few your way as well. Um, but like we, Humphreys Health is our business name. We're based in, out of a gym called Brophy's Body and Mind in Windsor. And we're based out of a gym called Jungle HQ Gym in uh, Paran. But if you just search Humphreys Health on Google, it will pop up with us and the addresses that we work at. And um, you can find us on Instagram where we're, we're pretty active. My Instagram's Humphreys Health underscore physiotherapy. And our company page, I guess, is called just Humphreys Health. Yeah. And I'll make sure, gang, I have all those links in the show notes. Um, as as well. So, Ben, any final thoughts that you'd like to leave the uh, Marketing Your Practice podcast listeners with? Um, as I said before, like none of this shit is hard. Like yeah. you got to be willing to like, you know, a little bit of risk. There's in, in order to to gain something great, you got to you got to risk something a little bit. And look, there's strict laws and strict guidelines we need to follow, which um, you know. I'll be transparent in saying I haven't done the best job at for sharing testimonials and things like that, not in regards to negligence or safety or anything like that. But mm. there are clear guidelines to follow. There are a lot of um, there are a lot of accounts out there that are doing good things. You just need to look at what, what people are doing. You know, people that you want to be like, people that you want to aspire like, businesses that you want to aspire to. You need to look at what they're doing. You just need to replicate what they're doing because at the end of the day, it's, it's copying to a degree, but you're going to put your own spin on it and it'll become your own thing. And at the end of the day, if you're a physiotherapist or a chiropractor, we all do the same shit. It's just like the, what makes us different is the personality and the person doing it. So I believe that if you want to generate more clients, you just need to showcase your skills. 
Yeah, great thoughts, buddy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to put a, a feelers back out to you in 12 months' time because I'm excited to see about what you've done or continue to do in this next 12 months too. So, as I mentioned before, on behalf of the podcast, Ben, thanks so much for being so generous today. Um, I look forward to uh, to watching you continue to grow and develop and looking at this e-commerce and training and all that stuff there too, buddy. So, see you soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out the Community Influencer Program. It's my monthly coaching program where we take all this material and I'll work one-on-one with you to apply, implement, systematize, and help guide you and your practice to the next level. Now, you can join me on over at adiomedia.com forward slash join. That's adiomedia.com forward slash join. I'd love to see you in there.